Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. When we blow it, don't we often feel like damaged goods? I mean, like it'll be hard enough for God to love us, let alone use us. My friends, if there is an encouragement for today, it's it's that God doesn't just want to restore relationship. He wants to restore you with purpose. Good afternoon, evening, or morning, or wherever you happen to be, hopeful ones. Welcome to today's slice of our journey through the Bible in a year reading through every word of God's self-revelation and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. And rather ironically, our lives do sometimes look like ah, the Israelites, as we hear about or will hear about in the book of Judges that we start today. Same baloney, different day. Uh, Close to God, forget God. Fall off the horse, get butt kicked. Come back to God and rinse and repeat. Or we think we come back to God when he's he's actually never stopped pursuing us the whole time. Oh, like what happens between Jesus and Peter, maybe? Friends, God doesn't just want to restore a relationship. He wants to restore you with purpose. Today we wrap up the book of John. Here's chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Twin, Nathanael from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. We're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. And he called to them, Friends, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple The one Jesus loved said to Peter, It it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off, and he plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it, and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come, have breakfast, Jesus told them. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? (laughs) Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. And he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, Peter was grieved that he had asked him a third time, <laughs> asking, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. Now Jesus said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after this, he told him, Follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die, yet Jesus didn't tell him that he wouldn't die. But he said, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. And that, my friends, is the book of John. I hope you get some goosebumps there. And I hope you recognize, besides Jesus going, follow me. Doesn't matter what your dad does. Doesn't matter what your neighbor does. Doesn't matter what your kid does. You follow me. God doesn't just want to restore relationship. He wants to restore you with purpose. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Take care of my lambs. And he is the Jesus who is the Lord of our lives. He's the Lord of our service. He's the Lord of our future. Now in our Old Testament reading, we are beginning a new book today, Book of Judges. And uh, the Book of Judges is named for these, I don't know, charismatic protagonists, you might say, whose military exploits and personal failings both uh, feature prominently in the book. And it's a theologically framed record of Israel's history for this period that stretches from the death of Joshua that we heard about yesterday to the rise of the monarchy. 
And now as the book of Judges kicks off, before it gets to this long downward spiral of Israel's apostasy, it begins by exposing the roots of Israel's apostasy. How does that sound for some good reading? (laughs) Judges chapter 1, and with that, uh, here we go. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites inquired of the Lord, saying, Who will be the first to fight for us against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah is to go. I have handed the land over to him. Judah said to his brother Simeon, Come with me to my allotted territory and let's fight against the Canaanites. I will also go with you to your allotted territory. So Simeon went with him. When Judah attacked, the Lord handed the Canaanites and Perizzites over to them. They struck down 10,000 men in Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him and struck down the Canaanites and Perizzites. When Adonai Bezek fled, they pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table, and God has repaid me for what I have done. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. The men of Judah fought against Jerusalem, captured it, put it to the sword, and set the city on fire. Afterward, the men of Judah marched down to fight against the Canaanites who were living in the hill country, the Negev, the Judean foothills. And Judah also marched against the Canaanites who were living in Hebron. Hebron was formerly named Kiriath Arba. And they struck down Shishai, Ahimon, and Talmai. And from there, they marched against the residents of Debir. Now, Debir was formerly named Kiriath Sephir. Caleb said, Whoever attacks and captures Kiriath Sefer, I will give my daughter Aksa to him as a wife. So Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, captured it, and Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him as his wife. And when she arrived, she persuaded Othniel to ask her father for a field. Now, as she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What do you want? And she answered him, Give me a blessing. Since you've given me land in the Negev, give me the springs also. So Caleb gave her both the upper and lower springs. The descendants of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, had gone up with the men of Judah from the city of Palms to the wilderness of Judah, which was in the Negev of Arad, and they went to live among the people. Judah went with his brother Simeon, struck the Canaanites who were living at Zephath, and completely destroyed that town, and they named that town Hormah. Judah captured Gaza in its territory, Ashkelon in its territory, Ekron in its territory, and the Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country, but they could not drive out the people who were living in the plain because those people had iron chariots. Now Judah gave Hebron to Caleb just as Moses had promised, and then Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak who lived there. At the same time, the Benjamites did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. And the Jebusites have lived among the Benjamites in Jerusalem to this day. Next section. The house of Joseph also attacked Bethel, and the Lord was with them. They sent spies to Bethel. The town was formerly named Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the town and said to him, Please show us how to get into the town and we will show you kindness. And when he showed them 
the way into the town, they put the town to the sword, but released the man and his entire family. And then the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a town, and named it Luz. That is its name still today. At that time, Manasseh failed to take possession of Beth Shean and Tanakh and their surrounding villages, or the residents of Dor, Iblium, and Megiddo in, and their surrounding villages. The Canaanites were determined to stay in this land. And when Israel became stronger, they made the Canaanites serve as forced labor, but never drove them out completely. At that time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites. Who Pause. You know what? I'm just going to say this. All of this, in a sense, is a pattern or a type of the nature of sin in our lives, right? Sometimes we go, oh, I'm going to drive out the easy sins, but that one over there, ah, that one's pretty stubborn. And it, that's that, that sin over there has iron chariots, so we're just going to leave that one alone. You see what I mean? There's this whole pattern of humanity that bubbles up in this stuff. Okay, I'll keep going. At that time, Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer, so the Canaanites lived among them in Gezer. Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron or the residents of Nahalol, so the Canaanites lived among them and served as forced labor. Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko or of Sidon or Alab, Akzib, Helba, Afek, and Rehob. The Asherites lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land because they failed to drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the residents of Beth Shemesh or the residents of Bethanoth. They lived among the Canaanites who were living in the land, but the residents of Beth Shemesh and Bethanoth served as their forced labor. The Amorites forced the Danites into the hill country and did not allow them to go down into the valley. The Amorites were determined to stay in the Harez, Aijalon, and Shalbaim. When the house of Joseph got the upper hand, the Amorites were made to for, serve as forced labor. The territory of the Amorites extended from the Scorpion's Ascent, that is, from Selah upward. All right, next section, which is next chapter, Pattern of Sin and Judgment. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you out of the land of Egypt and led you into the land I promised your ancestors. I also said, I will never break my covenant with you, you are not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You are to tear down their altars, but, but you have not obeyed me. What have you done? Therefore, I now say, I will not drive out these people before you. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a trap for you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these words to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they named that place Bochim and offered sacrifices there to the Lord. Previously, when Joshua had sent the people away, the Israelites had gone to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. And the people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the great works that he had done for Israel. Pause. Notice the importance of eyewitnesses, Right? Here are the people who outlived Joshua, but they had seen what the Lord had done, right? That means they shared what the Lord had done in a way that influenced the behavior and hearts of those who were hearing those stories. My friends, that's our opportunity right there. Okay, continuing. 
The people worshipped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. They had seen all the Lord's great works he had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnatherah's in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. And that whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. And after them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They worshipped the Baals and abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed other gods from the surrounding peoples and bowed down to them. They angered the Lord, for they abandoned him and worshipped Baal and the Ashtoreths. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to marauders who raided them. He sold them to their enemies around them, and they could no longer resist their enemies. Whenever the Israelites went out, the Lord was against them and brought disaster on them, just as he had promised and sworn to them, so they suffered greatly. Now the Lord raised up judges who saved them from the power of their marauders, but but they didn't listen to their judges. Instead, they prostituted themselves with other gods, bowing down to them. They quickly turned from the way of their ancestors, who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. They did not do as their ancestors did. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for the Israelites, the Lord was with him and saved the people from the power of their enemies while the judge was still alive. The Lord was moved to pity whenever they groaned because of those who were oppressing and afflicting them. Whenever the judge died, the Israelites would act even more corruptly than their ancestors, following other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them, and they did not turn from their evil practices or their obstinate ways. And the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he declared, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I made with their ancestors and disobeyed me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I did this to test Israel to see whether or not they would keep the Lord's way by walking in it as their ancestors had. The Lord left these nations and did not drive them out immediately. He did not hand them over to Joshua. These are the nations the Lord left in order to test all those in Israel who had experienced none of the wars in Canaan. This was to teach the future generation. Hear this. This was to teach the future generations of the Israelites how to fight in battle especially those who had not fought before. These nations included the five rulers of the Philistines and all of the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites who lived in the Lebanese mountains from Mount Baal Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. The Lord left them to test Israel, to determine if they would keep the Lord's commands that he had given their ancestors through Moses. But they... They settled among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Megabites, and Gigabites, and the Israelites took their daughters and wives for them, gave their own daughters to their sons, and worshipped their gods. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, how's that for a summary of the book of Judges? You want the root of their apostasy? Well, there you go. Get up, fall down, get up, fall down. And if there is a lesson, it is that those who fail to follow godly leadership 
are beset with thorns and snares and the apostasy of a family or a nation is always only one generation away from uh, some serious pain. My friends, we're going to wrap up today with a wisdom segment, which is Psalm 16. And I'll just say this as we get rolling here. If some of this sounds familiar, you might recall that Peter cited a chunk of this and interpreted it as prophecy of the resurrection in the what we think of as his sermon at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Psalm 16. A mictum of David. Protect me, Lord. For I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me, because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you, you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. And that is Psalm 16. I love you, my friends. Remember, no matter what, God doesn't just want to restore a relationship. He wants to restore you with purpose. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.